The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Roto-Wire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Fantrax. I'm Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. James focusing on the AL West today, but the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational is underway. I want to congratulate all the league winners and the new overall champion as well. You know, I'm over. I'm only ten picks in, but I saw Samada's projections have already crowned a winner. Oh, hey, <laughs> the. Uh... Yeah, I mean, Smata makes the TGFBI so fun. Uh, obviously, Justin Mason deserves all the credit for starting the contest uh, and getting everyone involved. But uh, just love having Smata, uh, you know, providing some history as to who the best players have been in the contest. I like that for for my own self confidence and. Uh, just fun to have him kind of break down which leagues are figure to be tougher and kind of holding people accountable. I mean, I think that I, I was messaging him. Uh, I think one of the intended side effects of all this is that maybe more people will try throughout the season and, and not just completely mail it in. 
once they sort of fall out of the running, which I'm sure is tempting, you know, if you don't have any money on the line and you just gotten off to a rough start, it's definitely tempting to kind of walk away, but uh, you will end up being at the bottom of the, the rankings if you do that. Yeah, I kid about the, you know, projected projected standings, you know, celebrating that. I'm going to roll with these subtweets lately. I've got to keep it going. Nice. But I do really like Samada's, I do really appreciate all that he does. The historical rankings are huge, and he just makes it really fun to track with all his spreadsheets. So give him a follow. Is it at Samada, at Samada underscore BB? Yep. Uh, really good guy. And, yeah, he makes tracking the TGFBI a whole lot of fun. Uh, James, also, before we get into it, we just got some that Stanton news. Um, Shocking. I, yeah. I That's just really taken aback by that. Um, do you think this is kind of cements maybe Ann Duhar, maybe Talkman, maybe Clint Frazier? Uh, I would probably rank the – well, so Talkman was already probably going to play a decent amount uh, while Aaron Hicks is out. Um, and you would you would expect that Stanton would probably be ready by the time Hicks comes back. So, I guess maybe uh, Talkman isn't hurt that much. Although you can definitely feel very confident that he enters the year as one of their everyday outfielders, at least probably for April. Uh, this probably does crack the door open for Andahar to start getting uh, some serious look at at close to everyday bats as the DH, though. Yeah, I know our buddy Ian Kahn has been beating the drum that Andujar is one of the best values in drafts, and we know he can hit. I just wasn't sure where he was going to play because, you know, third base seems locked down by Urshela, so uh, I was kind of on the fence and a little iffy with Andujar, but now I think, yeah, pretty nice investment if you can get him anywhere close to his ADP. Uh, any picks you want to you wanna mention from your, your draft so far? TGFBI. Um. No, nah, I mean, I I tweeted out my first five picks. Uh, Nothing too exciting. I, you know, I. it's funny because I originally wanted to go – well, I took Yelich second overall. I originally wanted to go Albies, Meadows with my second and third picks, really address all five categories, and then just start pounding pitching. Uh, but Albies and Meadows went back-to-back right before my second-round pick. Jeez, second rounder yeah. for Albies, huh? And I had to, I had to pivot. Uh, value wise, I felt like the only move was to pivot to starting pitching. At that point, I didn't want to take uh, someone like Aaron Judge, who is already banged up. Um, and and I, if I wasn't going to take a hitter who was going to help me in speed, I wanted to get an ace and end up getting a couple aces and and Snell and Clevenger. Uh, I know there's there's definitely some people that are much lower on Clevenger than I am uh, because of the knee injury, but I did, I mean, I've done a decent amount of homework on it. I think that he should be back sometime in April. So I, I don't think you can knock too much off his projection. And I mean, if you want to just be incredibly risk averse, I, I get that, but it's not an arm issue. It's not a shoulder, it's not an elbow. So I, I still think Clevenger could be a top five guy on a per start basis. And then ended up getting uh, our boy Vlad in the fourth and Clayton Kershaw in the fifth, Oof. which I was, very surprised that Kershaw was still there in the 60s, but um, really everything I've been reading about Kershaw this spring has me pretty excited about him maybe having his best season, at least in terms of innings, that he's had in several years. And he's throwing a little harder too, right? Yeah. 
I got that same combo, I think four or five in my beat clay link league, but that was a 12. So yeah, getting those two in a 15 is real nice. That's kind of surprising fall for Kershaw, but James, let's get into the AL West prospects. You need to know, uh, some Astros on this list, top 100-ish guys, Force Whitley, Abraham Toro still in this mix, even though he kind of had a little bit of a disappointing debut. Jose Urquidy did not have a disappointing debut. Uh, Whitley's still your top pitching prospect, right? Yes. Nice, and we know essentially they've, they've confirmed that he's heading down. We don't know an exact innings limit for him this year, but those innings will be restricted somewhat. You still like him for redraft, though. Um, you know, I took him in the, the beat James Anderson league. I would not be surprised if I end up cutting him soon ish. Uh, it'll be nice to have him in that, the player pool. I mean, he was probably getting drafted anyways, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think this will be a year for Forrest Whitley to kind of reestablish himself as one of the best young pitchers in the game, but that doesn't necessarily mean that most of it will come at the big league level. And I think that they, uh, are smart to kind of take a, long view approach with Whitley's development. I think he'll be up and in the big league rotation whenever he uh, proves ready, but I don't think they're going to force the issue. I still think that they will get in the playoffs uh, without having to lean on him. So in redraft leagues, I think he's, he's kind of dicey, especially in 12 team leagues, 15 teamers. You know, I think if you aren't stashing any other pitching prospects, I think he's a worthwhile stash, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't think this will be his true coming out party at the big league level. I think that'll probably be twenty twenty one. Interesting, interesting. Now Abraham Toro, maybe not the Astros' top utility man, but with the addition of the twenty sixth active roster spot, do you expect Toro to make the team in a bench role? I don't think he'll break camp uh, on the big league roster. He's got minor league options remaining. They have sort of more. You know, veteran players, guys that have paid their dues a little more than Toro has ahead of him. So I think he heads to AAA, but sooner or later, whether it's this year or next year, one way or another, and might not even be with the Astros, once he gets everyday playing time, I think he's going to be very solid for fantasy. I think he's going to hit for a high average. I think he's going to post really high OBPs, um, 20-plus homers, I, you know the sprint speed suggests that there there could be some sneaky steals there as well. So I think Toro is just a really really good hitter. I think he's close to big league ready. Uh, can handle second base or third base. He's not great at either spot. He's definitely blocked right now, but one way or another, he'll he'll eventually find everyday playing time. Very nice. And we've talked a lot about Arkady on this show and on the radio as well. But he's not really catching the same helium as like Zach Gallon. Gallon are probably a better prospect, but uh, he just doesn't seem Urquidy doesn't seem to be getting the same amount of uh, buzz and and inflation this draft season. ADP right now two twenty three point two. I find myself wanting to jump him up and grab him in most leagues. Uh, what are the words of caution though with Urquidy, if there are any? I don't have any specific words of caution for Urquidy. But I, I always find myself in drafts. There's this kind of trio of pitchers I really like there. I, I like Urquidy, I like Sandy Alcantara, and I like A.J. Puck. And they all go around the exact same spot. And I have yet to get Urquidy. I, I typically will grab one of those guys first and hope Urquidy comes back, and he he never does. Uh, 
So I think at least the drafts I've been in, I think that the hype is starting to build a little bit with him. I know Pakoda, uh, baseball prospectus projection system came out and, and liked him. Maybe that's part of the fuel for it, but uh, maybe the fact that they've pretty much promised him a rotation spot is part of it. But I uh, have not ended up with him yet, and it's got nothing to do with him. It's just that there's there's a lot of pitchers in that range that I like. Yeah, I know you like Alcantar, and he's certainly a safer bet for a big workload. Uh, but yeah, I'm you know I'm up at about pick 160 in my TGFBI league. I'm not going to take him there. I got another guy, but then maybe the following pick 171. I could see it. Um, he'll be on the short list anyway. Uh, a couple underrated pitchers in the system: Tyler Ivy, Luis Garcia. What do you like about these two? Ivy's got a chance for three plus pitches. Uh, might might have two plus breaking balls. Good size, athletic, uh, throws a lot of strikes. The problem for him has just been building up that innings count to the point where we can be confident that he can handle a starter's workload. I think that they give him uh, all of this season to to make another go at that, try to get him up you know, 130 innings or so. And if he can do that, then I think he could be a, a really solid number three starter long term. If for whatever reason he struggles to to build up again this season, maybe they just end up kind of moving him uh, to the bullpen, maybe a multi-inning roll out of the bullpen. Um, I believe he has to get added to the 40-man roster this this upcoming offseason. So, um, you know, maybe maybe ends up in the bullpen, but I still think he has a decent chance to start, especially if he can stay healthy this year. Then Luis Garcia, I want to say he was first – in all the minors in K percentage last year, uh, fourth, I believe, in K minus walk percentage. Had a big velocity bump. That's kind of a theme of all these pitchers in this system is they all experience some sort of velocity bump when they get into the Astros program. And Garcia now, mid-90s fastball, uh, has to work on his command, has to work on his secondaries, but you know he last year kind of should have been his pop-up year but nobody's really talking about him i kind of think this might be the year where he kind of moves sort of more into the national focus yeah another guy flying under the radar a little bit richie gonzalez and brian abreu too man i there's only seven appearances but unbelievable in his seven bullpen appearances last year one two five fip really high swing strike rate i saw a pitching coach brent brent strom recently said that he thinks Abreu can be a really good major league starting pitcher in time, but you see him more so in the bullpen long term. Yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised that they or that he said that because I just don't really see a case for it. You know, I think he's ready to be a big time big league reliever right now, and they have so much pitching depth uh, already that I just doesn't make a ton of sense to me to to try to make it work with him as a starter he just he doesn't have starters command uh could be an absolute weapon for them out of the bullpen this year so i I think he's a reliever all the way i don't know why uh, (laughs) their pitching coordinator said that but um we don't necessarily have to take people at their word in this game there's a lot of (laughs) yeah there's a lot of people lying in baseball uh especially uh to the media so um I, Brian Abreu, if he were on another team, I think he would be one of the better closers in waiting. But right now, it's just it's tough to see exactly when he would start getting saves. But if you're in a holds league, or even just a, a deep enough league where 
you know, a guy like James Karinchak has value, uh, then I think Brian Abreu should have value as well because he's just going to miss a ton of bats. Very nice. Not prospect eligible anymore, I don't think, but Josh James going to be in the mix for a rotation spot. Are you interested for 2020? I'm, I'm very interested. I, I can't quit Josh James. The, the strikeout rates, obviously, have just been insane for him in kind of a multi-inning role. And I've heard he just looks great this spring. Uh, you know, he, he's the type of guy where he's starting to creep up in drafts to the point where I'm kind of getting sniped on him as well. I might mm-hmm. have to sort of jump him up here at some point because uh, he's a nice lottery ticket to kind of take late 200s and just sort of see what happens. Like, if you end up having to cut him in April – so be it but if he is able to make this work as a starter like he could put up Robbie Ray type of numbers yeah I don't see him being late 200s come March but if you can still get him at that price I mean yeah I'll probably jump in with both feet I saw too that they completely revamped his delivery um, hoping to lead to improved command so we'll see if that helps moving on to the Angels James Joe Adele your top prospect in the system I know you have him top 10-ish, right? But you're a little bit lower on Adele than others. I've got him fourth overall. Fourth. I like him I like him a lot more for Dynasty Leagues than for Redraft Leagues. I think that anyone that's as talented as him could certainly surpass expectations. We saw that last year with Fernando Tatis Jr. where he hadn't even played above double A and, and had a great big league debut. Uh, maybe Adele can do the same thing, but... Um, you know, the thing about him is I think everyone just sort of talks about his tools like they're just on this crazy level. And, yeah, I think he'll have plus power. I mean, he's certainly a plus runner. Uh, he does not put that speed to work on the bases as much as we'd like for fantasy. And, you know, even the power, it, it's it's impressive power, especially for a guy his age. But it wasn't just like, oh, my God, look at that type of power when I saw him in uh, taking BP in the Arizona Fall League. It was just, yeah, it was just plus power. It was good. Um, but not he's not like some Acuna-level type of tooled-up prospect. Nice, yeah. A really good athlete and exciting baseball player, but I've been adhering to your words for 2020. I thank you for that. Um, Brandon Marsh just went down with an elbow strain, left elbow diving attempt gone wrong, out for the rest of the spring, potentially longer. Does this do anything to to hurt his long term outlook? I wouldn't think so. No, it might, uh, you know, it might kind of result in his season sort of getting delayed, and maybe that stops him from impressing enough early on that he's able to make his big league debut this year. I think that was definitely in play. You know, they sent him to the AFL. I think if he'd gotten off to a really good start uh, in the minors, that maybe he could have debuted this summer for them. But um, still a still a good prospect long term. He needs to adjust his launch angle i think to really max out right now he's more kind of like a leadoff hitter who's gonna hit for a pretty high average get on base at a high clip steal around 20 bases but he has the potential to be a 20 plus homer guy it's just it hasn't really happened yet so i don't know if he's gonna try to tap into more power i don't know if that maybe uh, weakens the hit tool a little bit but one way or another i think he'll provide fantasy value nice and you know the Angels did make some additions to the rotation this winter, but they also had a, a potential addition, you know, fall through and in, in Ross Stripling. That trade was nixed. So do you expect to see Patrick Sandoval starting at the big league level maybe in the first half? 
yeah, I think it's it's definitely in play, at least while Shohei Otani's out. Uh, I think uh, it looks like Julio Tehran's got a minor hamstring injury. That's something to keep an eye on. But I think as things stand, it looks like Sandoval probably uh, takes that Otani rotation spot, at least for now, assuming he has a decent spring training. I like him as just sort of a you know guy that's big league ready, lefty, uh, with – pretty good stuff and needs to work on his command but um he's just kind of under the radar he's, he's basically free in all redraft leagues and i like him more in draft and hold leagues but even in like a 15 team mixer like I, I think he should probably go in the final rounds of, of a lot of these tgfbi drafts and uh, certainly a guy that i would recommend you maybe uh kicking the tires on in, in al labor yeah i like that idea i'll be drafting on sun uh, saturday so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Chris Rodriguez, by the way, James, do you see him following like a Walker Bueller, Clark Schmidt type path where he could really skyrocket up prospect lists this year? He definitely has the arm to do so. He's coming back from basically two full seasons missed due to a back injury, missed all of 2018. With the back injury, made a couple starts at the beginning of 2019 and then ended up needing back surgery, which is really scary, really scary for any athlete to, to need uh, to go under the knife uh, with a back procedure. But if he can return to his pre-injury form, he's got frontline potential. And these are the types of pitchers where like pitchers aren't like position players. Like A pitcher can go from like 175 on the top 400 to 75 in not very long, basically. Like just mm-hmm. prove you're healthy, prove the stuff's there, and you can just really vault up the list. Uh, and Walker Bueller's a good name. Uh, Schmidt, Jesus Lazardo, those guys all came back from Tommy John surgery and really improved their stock. But uh, Chris Rodriguez could do the same. Very nice, very nice. Well, before we move on, quick word from our sponsor, Fantrax. You sick of waiting for ESPN and Yahoo to open your league? Go play at Fantrax. Your league is open 365 days a year for full off-season trading and pickups. Looking to make a run this year? Trade those future draft picks up to six years in the future for the player that will take you over the top. Looking to add that stud prospect you just heard about? Don't worry about having to hope he's in the player pool. With Fantrax, they have over 10,000 players in the pool. And if they don't have him... They will add them for you. You were just at drafting like some 16-year-olds, right? In, yeah, in yeah. Some fan tracks? Yeah, I added a handful of J2 guys who have not played a big league game yet, uh, and fan tracks had them. Uh, a lot of these services, you have to send your commissioner an email and say, I want to add this unlisted guy on fan tracks. You just go in there, you add them. Yeah, I saw you giving them some love on Twitter. That's awesome that they have... That many guys in the pool. No more placeholders on Fantrax. Do you use contracts and salaries? No problem. Fantrax has you covered with the ability to track it all, including extension years. Sick of collecting money from your owners? Fantrax has you covered there with their treasurer product. Pay your league dues on the site and let Fantrax distribute for you. All 100% free. Move your league today and reach out to at Fantrax on Twitter and get hooked up with a little bonus. So, James, this A's system, uh, pretty nice, and I know you like them for 2020 and a lot of you know ready now prospects who are going to make an impact at the big league level this farm system headlined by jesus lazardo aj puck not too far behind him 
Um, just given the price on Puck is a little lower, do you see yourself having him uh, more shares of Puck than Lizardo? Yeah, I, I really actually don't expect to have any shares of Lizardo, which is a bummer. I mean, he's he's awesome. I love watching him pitch. I will probably have a lot of shares of Lizardo in 2021 once the expectation is kind of you know 170 plus innings. But I mean, he's going right around Zach Gallen, right around Max Fried. I, I don't really see a case for taking him over those guys. So uh, no Lizardo for me, most likely. AJ Puck, totally different story. Like I said, uh, definitely a target in kind of the early 200s. Uh, might even pick him around pick 200. You factor in that you'll be able to kind of get a replacement level pitcher for the rest of his innings. Uh, they're only two spots apart on my top 400, so love both guys, and I'll, I'll definitely just take the cheaper one. I got to try to avoid spring highlights because when Puck struck out Chris Bryant on three pitches, I got a little, little pumped up. I, I hate spring. I hate spring training so much. It's <laughs> awful. Like every time I go on Twitter, it's just like. Oh my God! This this good pitcher was good. How about that, <laughs> Garrett Cole was hitting ninety eight. It's like yeah. Wow. <laughs> but I even knowing it's stupid, I still find myself as we talked about like BP videos. I still find myself uh, getting excited about these these players. Uh, so Puck very much in the redraft mix and, and a target for you at his price. Sean Murphy this in the same boat. Um, you know. I've ended up with Murphy a few places and like him, but if the price gets any higher, then I may be out on Murphy. Yeah, he's he's definitely kind of borderline at his price right now. I, I have some shares as well. Not sure how many more I'll get. Um, I mean, catcher pool, you're always able to just find a couple guys further down that you kind of like, you know, like Jason Castro. We talked about him uh, on the radio show. Yeah, you took him with your last pick, right, yeah. in the beat James Anderson. I mean, he's free, and he's pretty good. He's going to play, like, I don't know, two-thirds of the time and, uh, you know, threat to hit 20-plus homers. Uh, I like Carson Kelly a lot. I know he's not cheap per se, but um, I don't want to have just Sean Murphy on – 75% of my teams, given the track record of lower body injuries with him. Right. So uh, you want to diversify a little bit, I think, at catcher. Yeah, I've ended up with him, but I'm thinking your approach is probably better off. Like, I've been pairing Murphy and Buster Posey, but maybe I go Buster Posey and then Jason Castro, who's... You love Posey. I do. I don't know why. <laughs> I remember asking you, like, what the difference was between him and Christian Vasquez. You're like, well, like, 16 homers uh, last year. And then, yeah, I... I don't know why I'm buying it on Posey. Maybe that's like the projection system bias creeping in, even though I try to caution against that. Him being ranked like top five on every projection system uh, makes me feel like he's a pretty good pick. Uh, Dalton Jeffries, kind of the the fourth man here, but a top 100 prospect himself. Yeah, we got pretty bad news on him, though. Uh, I think it was yesterday, diagnosed with a bicep strain. He's undergoing an MRI. Just, I really hope that this ends up being something fairly minor, something that doesn't uh, derail his season. But Jeffries has already missed a ton of time with injuries. He, he missed basically two years uh, with Tommy John surgery. Uh, so 
I hope that this is just a thing where you know we get to mid-April and he's pitching in games in the minor leagues or something like that, and and hopefully he can still be a factor at the big league level later this season. He was going to be on a on a workload management uh, schedule this year, anyways. So maybe this doesn't alter his big league innings count this year, but just not not a good way to get started this spring. Yeah, I'd hate to see that with Dalton Jeffries. Wish him the best in that recovery. Robert Poisson, you're a little iffy on him. What what do you see that you, you know has you a little hesitant to invest? Well, I love I I'm not shy about in, investing in 16 and 17 year olds when I think they have a chance to move really quickly uh, and really just kind of Im- improve their stock, vault up the rankings in their first couple years but i think poisson's going to be a bit more of a project i think it's not even a lock that he puts up good numbers this year in the dominican summer league he just he's kind of behind the the top tier guys from that j2 class in terms of the hit tool very very high ceiling his ceiling rivals any of those guys except for dominguez but uh you know if you're if you're rostering a 17 year old who is struggling in the dsl you're going to be tempted to cut him at some point. And, yeah. And so I just, I don't really, uh, I have not ended up with him anywhere. One guy in the system who's been kind of out of sight, out of mind, at least for me, because he missed a lot of time due to injury, James Caprillion. You think he could maybe make an impact at the big league level this year? Yeah, he got to AAA last year. I mean, it's it's a testament to how good of a pitcher he is that, I mean, I think he's like around – He's still under a hundred pro innings, I believe, and he already made it to AAA. And he just he's had so much time taken away from him due to injuries. And you know we're not out of the woods yet. Like I wouldn't be surprised if something happens again with him too, because there's just a lot of red flags from an injury perspective. But he's probably ready to get big league hitters out right now. Uh, I don't expect, as long as he's healthy, I expect him to have success at AAA. And, yeah, he could definitely be an option for them if they need re, uh, reinforcements in that rotation. Now, we know about Kyler Murray. That was some bad luck, uh, essentially. Maybe a bad decision, too. But uh, that's kind of, you know, we can maybe give them a little bit of a mulligan for that pick. But what's with the A's and their issues with drafting position players early lately? It's just they've had a they've had a really bad run. Like this is an organization like you know you know how much I love the A's. I bang the over, give me all the Matt Olson, all the Matt Chapman uh, I can get, but they've really whiffed on their last three first round picks on the hitter side. They took Austin Beck a couple years ago. That has not panned out. I was very high on Beck. The tools were very impressive, but he just the the hit tool is just not developed at all. Really, um, you mentioned Murray. I mean, regardless of whether or not they were at fault, they didn't get really anything from that pick. And then they took Logan Davidson this past year, twenty ninth overall. You, you know, you're not going to nail every pick that's that late in the first round, but uh, I mean, I, I'm just not impressed by him at all from a especially from a fantasy standpoint like he he might get to the big leagues and be a utility guy or something like that but that's just not how i would use a first round pick so um this system it's very top heavy they're going to graduate a lot of these guys this year and it's going to look pretty ugly after that that's pretty crazy because yeah they have built 
a nice team at the big league level and have had some you know pretty sustained success. I know that they haven't gotten over the hump, but uh, that's weird to miss on that many early picks in a row. Um, moving on, James, to the Mariners, and this is really an exciting system, headlined by Julio Rodriguez, Jared Kelenic right in that mix too. We've talked about how maybe we'll see both of these guys this year, but I'm really starting to like Kalanick and what he could maybe do as a as a late round dart. Um, you like Rodriguez's ceiling long term a little bit more. I, I have Rodriguez having a better ceiling and a higher floor than Kalanick. I, I mean, I think Rodriguez is pretty much can't miss. Uh, was the youngest player in the AFL. Was the second best position player I saw there behind Royce Lewis and. Uh, Julio Rodriguez just he has it all. He has that it factor too. When you, oh yeah, just sort of like you know, I I didn't get to talk to him very much. Like Chris Welsh and I asked to chat with him, and um, he ended up having to say no. He was getting called away by uh, one of their PR people. But I mean, he just he oozes that type of charisma. Um, he looks the part. He has. Sneaky speed, you know, he made a point in the AFL to steal more bases there, and he was very successful doing so. He's got a really long wingspan, which I, I think is going to help him as a base stealer, especially on those headfirst slides in the second base. Uh, just a really good athlete, really big boy, but, um, I mean, there's just really nothing you can say negative about Julio Rodriguez. Uh, he'd be a viable number one overall prospect a lot of years it's just you got wonder franco gavin lux uh kellenic is you know a special prospect in his own right i don't think the batting average will be where rodriguez's is i don't think the eventual like i, I could see both these guys being 30 plus homer guys but if one of them hit 40 i would bet on it being rodriguez uh kellenic might have the edge on stolen bases though and that's part of the reason why like I, I ended up with him already in a draft champions, 50-round draft and hold. I know you're going to get some shares if you don't already. Uh, not sure if I would recommend stashing him, but, yeah, I mean, 15-team league, like TGFBI type of league, if you can get him with, like, your last pick, I could see it because you'll, you'll kind of get a sense pretty early on. I, they're going to send him to AAA. If he's hitting at AAA early this season – he could be up in late April, early May. Like they're they're definitely fast tracking him. So I, I get it if you want to use your last pick on him. Nice, and you know, uh, I got him in the Rotowire Magazine mock draft as my final pick. But I need to load up with more shares of Kellenick. And I'm thinking in labor this weekend, maybe a dollar. I'm not letting him go to the reserves and risk Glenn and uh, Rick getting him in the reserves like Boba Shet. Uh, so, yeah, in that league, they have unique rules, but if he's in the minor leagues, I can swap him out and stash. So uh, I'm very much into stashing Kellenic. Noel V. Marte, is he kind of maybe not in that tier with those top two, but is he pretty close to the Julio Rodriguez, Jared Kellenic type of prospect? He definitely is much more unproven than those guys, but. Like if a year from now we're talking about Noel V. Marte being a top five fantasy prospect, I would not be surprised. He's a shortstop who maybe ends up at third base, certainly probably stays on the left side of the infield, but plus power potential, 70-grade runner right now, might end up might end up only being a plus runner by the time he gets to the big leagues, but easy 
25-25 ceiling to dream on with him. Uh, showed pretty well in terms of his approach and everything in the DSL. Uh, we'll be interested to see if they send him to directly to low A like they did with Julio Rodriguez. I think that'd be a pretty telling assignment if they if they bypassed all those other uh, short season affiliates and sent him to low A. But yeah, Marte, you know the hype is is very intense with him, and he is not even played stateside yet but i think it's it's properly uh rated for him the fact that he's in most people's top 50 at this point and you alluded to the mariners kind of pushing these guys aggressively and that factors into the etas on rodriguez and kelnick um they have been more you know aggressive and just letting these guys sink or swim right so yeah I'm, i'm looking forward to that um so Marte, Evan White, of course. I got to give Jerry Depoto some credit. I thought he was toast a couple of years ago in that job, but he's really built the system up nicely. They got to, and he's got to give uh, Brody Van Wagenen <laughs> some credit. <laughs> yeah, he needs to send him like a gift basket every year. Evan White signed that extension, so he's probably going to start at first base on opening day. You like him as a fantasy guy for this year? Or not really. I think he's just kind of a, you know, last option type of guy if you you know first base dries up in a hurry and if you miss out on like those luke voigt cj crone type of guys uh i don't mind rolling the dice with white as kind of an upside play like i think white and like jesus aguilar are kind of in that sort of same like we'll just give it a shot see how it see how it looks type maybe of maybe joey too yeah, put Joey in that mix. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's sad. See how it looks. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a bummer. That Joey's fallen. I mean, you know, Evan White's a fine player, but just when you were Hall of Fame level to being on the same level as like an unproven rookie, that's that's a bummer. Uh, but this is the Reds' year, by the way. George Kirby, um, he was a top pick. Was that last year? or Was that two years ago? This past year, yeah, he was uh, their first round pick. Uh, nice. He was my favorite of the pitchers in that class because I just I like the first time I watched a video of him like he, he kind of gave me this Kyle Hendricks with velocity vibe like just pinpoint command. It's pretty nice. Bunch of pitches, you know, low to mid 90s with the fastball, really projectable frame, really good athlete. Uh I I just I think he's he's going to be on the fast track with these position players because honestly he could probably handle double a right now. Like, and just with that type of command, there's just not going to be much need for him to spend a ton of time in the minors. Uh, one of those guys with he, he'll, he'll get that number three starter tag, but with his command, uh, with his diverse uh, repertoire, I wouldn't be surprised if he becomes a number two starter. So six guys here, top 100-ish prospects on your top 400 list, the final being Jake Fraley. And I remember when we did that live podcast back at First Pitch Arizona, you said, you know, I expect to have a lot of Fraley. Since then, getting very little buzz, and it's kind of faded into the background for most redraft players. Um, are you still in on Fraley, or are you kind of thinking now that eh, maybe if he's uh, starting regularly, then I'll pick him up? Well, I would... You know, I don't think he's a 12-team guy, and I did not get him in Tout Wars, Draft and Hold. It's an OBP 
But I would like to get him in TGFBI, and I would not even mind if he were my fifth outfielder going into the year in TGFBI. It's 15 teams, batting average. I think he's got a shot at going 2020. He has to stay healthy. That's that's going to be huge for him. He's missed a lot of time due to injuries. Uh, the numbers were obviously awful in his big league debut, uh, but I think there, he's a much better hitter than what he showed in that, that brief cup of coffee. and. You know, getting a guy that could steal twenty bases and and play every day, well outside the top three fifty or so, I think that's that's pretty good value. He's a guy in AL labor I'd like to get. I feel like Brett Sayers probably the only guy who'd be fighting me on Fraley. No, he, oh, he doesn't he like Fraley. He won't, he won't fight John Fraley. Yeah, maybe get him real cheap. Maybe him and Kellen. Yeah, what a pair. Pair him up. <laughs> Double tap. What a strategy. <laughs> um, I've been burned by like youngsters in that league, man. Jeez. I, Shooting myself in the foot, get, investing heavily in Vlad. I mean, yeah, Vlad's – yeah, exactly. I'm just maybe trying to temper the prospect enthusiasm this year. Now, Logan Gilbert, Kyle Lewis, Justice Sheffield, you feel all three are overrated by most prospect analysts. Um, anything you want to say about any of these three specifically? Uh I think if you just looked at Logan Gilbert's numbers, you'd think that he was, you know, number two type of starter uh, in the making. He's just got a really good fastball, uh, you know, deep repertoire, but he doesn't have a, a plus off speed pitch. So I think he's kind of more of a number three. Uh, Kyle Lewis, obviously, you know, I, I don't think he uh, <laughs> is anywhere near as good as he showed in the big leagues early on last or when he first came up. And Kyle the Punisher Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of Punisher similarities. Um, just, <laughs> I just do not see him being, I wouldn't even want him in, in AL labor. Uh, Sheffield, I think there, there might be a case for him in AL labor, but uh, the command's just not there. He's not a, he doesn't have starters command. He's got good repertoire, lefty, but um, yeah, I mean, he's just not going to throw enough strikes, I don't think. I, I think he's probably going to go down that, Ronaldo Lopez path of being a, a high, like a guy with interesting stuff on a terrible team that's just going to give him chance after chance after chance to be a starting pitcher, even though on most competitive teams he would just be moved straight to the bullpen. Yeah, I, I could see that. I know he's got somewhat interesting repertoire, but you got to get him over the the plate and into the, the the catcher's target to really be effective. Now, we've talked a lot about uh, a lot of names in this Mariners system. Anybody else a little bit more under the radar that you like here? Uh, pitcher with a ton of upside, Brandon Williamson. They got him in last year's draft. Big kid. Uh, stuff kind of ticked up after after signing. He's a nice sleeper. And then Jonathan Classe is a speedy outfielder. Uh, that'll be making his stateside debut this year as impact speed, some leadoff, uh, some leadoff qualities in his profile. So he's someone that if he hits in the AZL, hits for average, that speed's going to be on display. I could see him really shooting shooting up rankings. And on to the Rangers now, and I talked just a few minutes ago about how I need to temper prospect enthusiasm, but that's not going to happen with yeah. this next guy, Luis Angel Acuna, little brother of Ronald Acuna Jr., what do you think? Is Luis Angel the next big thing? <laughs> uh, you know, he's not on the Noel V. Marte uh, level in terms of that trajectory to be a top 10, top 5 prospect in, a, in about a year, but 
he could be a top 25 prospect in about a year. He has, you know, in terms of what he did with his approach, with his hit tool in the DSL last year, uh, more impressive probably than anything his brother's ever done just from a strikeout-to-walk ratio. And he doesn't have big brother's upside from a power speed standpoint, but he's got some pop. He's, he's got plus speed. Um, they have another Acuna coming. Brian Acuna is 14. Nice. He's a, he's a phenom in his own age, age class. So uh, there's going to be three Acunas in the big leagues sooner than later. Yeah, I think we said on XM last week that we got to get a cover with all three when they're all in the majors on the Rotowire mag cover. Maximo Acosta, I love this name. Um, what can you tell us about Maximo Acosta? Well, he's there have been multiple Glaber Torres comps already thrown out with him, and he hasn't even played a pro game yet. <laughs> uh, so he's got a lot to live up to. Uh, but keeping he, things reasonable, yeah, 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 I just, appreciate it. Could be Glaber Torres, no big deal. Um, he's a plus runner though right now, and uh, there might have been a year when Glaber was a teenager where maybe he graded as a plus runner, but certainly not close to that anymore. Uh, Acosta might uh, not fill out quite the same way Glaber did, so maybe you can dream on a little bit more five category juice with him. Long ways away, but. You know, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world if Acuna and Acosta were both in the top 25 a year from now. Nice. I heard Bernie Pleskoff on our radio show earlier this week say that he really did not like Nick Solak in center field. Um, they're, they're giving it a shot, which maybe speaks more to Danny Santana and how they view him. Um, but they're trying to find a way to get Nick Solak onto the field. Where do you see the best path for Nick Solak? You know, I was surprised at how much real-life value Todd Frazier provided last year. I think he was worth, like, two wins. Uh, Surprising. Would not have guessed that. But I don't like Ronald Guzman at all, so maybe Todd Frazier could play at first base. Greg Bird, man. (laughs) Maybe Solak plays third base. Uh, Maybe Solak plays some left field and they move – Shinsu Chu into the outfield and Willie Calhoun DHs. I mean, there's all kinds of different uh, ways they could put that lineup together. Uh, I think, you know, the, if you're just listing the best pure hitters on this 26-man roster, I think Solak's probably in the top five. So I expect his bat to get him in the lineup. Uh, they're going to need to generate offense, obviously. So I'm not exactly sure where it comes. I, I would guess third base would be the first place you'd add eligibility. But util only going into the year. Yeah, that that makes him really kind of unappealing in some sense. But I I think he'll gain that positional eligibility pretty early. And you know, if you are able to resist the temptation to fill that util spot earlier, I could see Solak as a as a decent maybe last pick to fill your active roster. Now, James, you feel that the most underrated pitching prospect in the minors is in this system, Ricky Venasco. Uh, what do you see with Venasco that maybe people are sleeping on? Uh, he's just I, – I really don't understand why he's not getting more uh, hype. Has one of those – like I, I love the six foot three, 180-pound athletic frame. Like I, I just love that from right-handers. Um, they took him as sort of a projection lottery ticket. 
2017, took him in the 15th round, and he did, like, when we talk about projectable arms, like, this is exactly what we're talking about. He added the velocity that they were hoping on. Now he's got a mid to upper 90s fastball that was just overpowering in the lower levels. Uh, curveball could also be a plus pitch. Hasn't really had to use his changeup a ton. Uh, started throwing it last year, but I mean, if the changeup comes, I mean, he's got just a really, really high ceiling. Uh, obviously, needs to work on the command a little bit, but yeah, I mean, this is the type of guy with enough upside where even though he's two to three years away, uh, I think the upside warrants stashing him in pretty much all dynasty leagues. And conversely, you see Baron Laura is overrated uh, here for the Rangers. Yeah, he was. I mean, you can't just evaluate these J2 guys based on their signing bonus. Those bonuses are agreed to a couple of years before they're actually official. So the Rangers gave him $4.2 million. But, I mean, if we were just doing a, a draft for that J2 class, I mean, I don't think he would go in the first 10 picks. Might not even go in the first 15 picks. He's already... Uh, Man, he's he's massive. I, I forgot exactly what his measurements are. Um, but, I mean, he's he's one of those guys where he really is headed down that Highland Ortiz path of just being like 260, 270 pounds by the time he gets to full season ball and he's like 6'5". I just I don't see it. I mean, when guys are that big at such a young age, it pretty much never works. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um James, great stuff as always. And we really just scratched the surface, even though we got to a lot of names. You wrote a lot more in your actual article. I recommend you check it out. Farm Futures, AL West Prospects You Need to Know. James, you are the best in the business, and I'm grateful for every week we get to do this together. Um, We are going to move on to the hip-hop portion of the show. Uh, We're doing our hip-hop draft, which you you determine the active roster spots. I won't run through all those again, but basically we're filling a fantasy roster with, with rap artists. And then at the end of the year, the listeners can decide who, who came out on top. And, you know, last week you took Ghostface. I took Nas. Two really good first-round picks. Now that you have Ghost, I'm going to jump ADP a little bit. I fear the the Ragu stack. Oh. I fear the Ragu stack. A fun stack. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm not letting you <laughs> reunite Ray and Ghost. So... I am going to take the chef, Raekwon, uh, one of my all-time favorites, obviously, um, all of his records, really, except for, what was his second studio album? That one was just kind of, yeah, yeah, Mobilarity. It was just kind of there. Uh, I didn't love it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's kind of the separator between Ghost and Ray, for me, is the amount of quality stu- uh, solo studio albums. Like, I think... If you're just picking them apart for what they do on the collective work, it's it's pretty close. I don't know how you necessarily differentiate, but I think Ghost has had uh, more high-quality uh, solo albums. Yeah, I remember not liking Immobilarity that much, but he bounced back with the Lex Diamond story. Uh, Only Bill for Cuban Links Part 2 I really liked, and Shaolin versus Wu-Tang I think is one of the most underrated albums of all time. 2011 release. Love that album. And, yeah, I just didn't want to play chicken and risk not getting one of these two. So I'm glad that while I missed out on Ghost, I at least got Chef, Raekwon. Um, and our buddy Andrew is making the, the playlist one songs, right, for each, each artist so we can 
build a new Spotify playlist. I'm going to go with something off of that Shaolin versus Wu-Tang album I, I mentioned. Masters of Our Fate. Great song. Who's your pick, James? Um, so, yeah, we have three East Coast spots, and then we have the Decade spots. We have a few lyricist spots. So I'm just going to plug Raekwon in next to Nas on the East Coast side, but you can move him around. Yeah, I can move him. Flexibility is nice. Uh, we're going to keep it. We're going to go four for four uh, on the East Coast side of things. I'm actually going to slot this guy into my 1990s slot. Wow. And that's uh, the Notorious B.I.G. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. I like Biggie, but, you know, I never – I really liked him, but I've never, like – he's never been my favorite uh, rapper. So um, I get it. that He was a lock to go first couple rounds, but I couldn't pull the trigger. Um, he, uh, my, my take on Biggie, and I don't know if this is controversial or not, but I, I like Life After Death a lot more than I like Ready to Die. I know Ready to Die is definitely a classic. That's a, that's a controversial take. Yeah, I I think Life After Death is just a, a perfect album, especially for a double disc. Very tough to put together a quality double disc. I think you know Biggie and Tupac are probably the only guys I can think of off the top of my head that have put that have achieved that feat as solo artists. Obviously, Wu Tang Forever, a classic double disc, but. Yeah, hard, I remember Master P flopped spectacularly. Uh, his <laughs> few double, he, <laughs> he had that in some like like ghetto postage or something. <laughs> um, yeah. Not great. But what's your what's your Biggie song for the playlist? Either a favorite or maybe a hidden hidden gem. Um, well, we're gonna have to go back too and uh, yeah, do our um, favorite songs for. Uh, you know, Biggie, it's it's really tough. I, I think I'm definitely gonna have to go off of Life After Death. Uh, man, I love so many of these songs. Uh, Kick in the Door is great. Um, I got a story to tell is great. Mm-hmm. I love uh, I love uh, Nasty Boy. Uh, I love a lot of those tracks. Man, this is tough. I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm going to go. I got a story to tell. Um, that's, that's a good choice. That's probably my. It's probably the Biggie song I've listened to the most. Um, but a lot of good options off of Life After Death. Uh, and yeah, then, you can't really go wrong. I guess we have to go back to uh, la- our, our picks from last. We can give uh, tracks for both of those guys. Yeah. Thanks again to Andrew Redding for creating the playlist. The commercial jams playlist still good. I don't know if this one can even match it. I mean, I that was such a great playlist. Really yeah, we really did. <laughs> um, so with Nas, I'm going to go with Ether. <laughs> Could choose something off Illmatic, but for some reason, when I was that age, Ether just kind of struck a chord and got me. Yeah, you, uh, you ready were, to run you through were, a wall. You were definitely a Jay hater back in the day. Yeah, I was Team Nas all day, and then Lil Wayne remixed it. One of the great. Lil Wayne freestyles of all time on Ether. Well, uh, I think that that was uncalled for. I think <laughs> he should have should have picked a less controversial track. Uh, that is harsh, but I. The funny thing is with Jay Z, I know I can just wait. I can wait a few rounds. Oh yeah, I, I might just wait till like the tenth round, just because <laughs> uh, I know he's not coming off the board. Yep. Um. So. A lot of my favorite Ghostface songs are ones with several other Wu-Tang members. I want to pick one that is just Ghost. 
and I'm going to go with Mighty Healthy. Oh, off of Supreme Clientel. Yeah, that's such a good one. Um, really, really dark track. Love that track. Yeah. Um, I mean, anything off Supreme Clientel is just great. You know, I really did used to be a big Jay guy. Um, Jay-Z, that is. Uh, the Blueprint for a while was like one of my favorite albums of all time, but he's turned heel a little bit with this yeah. Roger Goodell yeah. bosom buddy it's stuff. Quite the heel turn. I did, yeah. not, I did not see it coming, but I, I probably should have seen it coming. Like, you know, it's uh, at first I was sort of offended by the fact that he would team up with uh, the NFL like that. But I mean, if you just kind of explore the content of all of his lyrics, like he's basically been telling us this uh, his entire career, like <laughs> that he just is all about money. And that's yeah, that's it. true. So fair enough. Uh, should not have necessarily been as surprised as I was that he did that. Yeah, he's he's been straightforward <laughs> about his. He wasn't hiding about his values. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, a couple more good picks. I take um, Raekwon at the one-two turn. James takes the notorious B.I.G. Well, we'll have two more picks next week. Looking forward to talking with you, James, and we'll catch you all on the Roadwire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Fantrax. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.